Are you thinking about going out this weekend? Are you thinking about messing around and finding out? Well, when you do mess around and find out, you may end up in jail, whether it be Hines County, Rankin County, Madison County, or any of the little towns in between. And if you do, hey, look, I have a long and glorious history of messing around and finding out. And I wish I'd had a bail bondsman like Liberty Bell Bonds. If you end up in jail this weekend, get out of jail by calling 601-825-1077. That's Liberty Bell Bonds serving Jackson and all surrounding areas. So if you mess around and you find out, call Liberty Bell Bonds and they'll bond you out. 601-825-1077. Strap in, turn up the volume, no sugar added talk radio. You've tuned in to the free range human show of choice. Your do not comply show of choice, your free range human show of choice. This is the Clay Edwards show. I am, of course, Clay Edwards. We are live here on a finally Friday edition, a Friday free for all edition of the Clay Edwards show. Here in the studio with me, I've got my Usual Friday cohort, Mr. Sean Yurtkron, your favorite liberal, my favorite liberal, Bellhaven's very own, Sean Yurtkron. And we're joined in the studio. We have a very special guest this morning, somebody I've been following for a long while now. When I first got to paying attention to politics, he's one of the first names that I had to learn real quick. Mr. Russell Latino. Russ Latino, uh, the boss man over at MagnoliaTribune.com. Russ, good morning, brother. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Is good. Sean really considered a liberal anymore? <laughs> I mean, at, at that this, seems to be the consensus at these this days, point, right? Isn't his association <laughs> with you calling that into doubt? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a far-right propagandist, too. You yeah. know, somebody wrote this on our Facebook group the other day. We're making fun of, like, is Sean a liberal? And I'm like, I think a lot of people just don't know Democrats. Like, they think it's like this... You know, like Kim Wade calls me purple haired dude that's possibly transgender, you know, joking around. And I, like, I think if you go back to the 1990s, my positions really haven't changed. I mean, I'm still pro choice. I'm still for Medicare for all. I'm still pro gay. Those things, but now it's become so far left that I seem like a conservative. Like, I'm just like a conservative. Well, I think dude. a lot of traditional liberals did. They, they didn't really change their position, but the, the Democrat party went so far left. Yeah. That it made anybody who was in the center or left the center look right. Bill Maher's a poster child for that. That's right? what I, was, I mean. There, yeah. There's no better example of mm-hmm. that than Bill Maher, somebody that conservatives and Republicans used to love to hate. Mm-hmm. And now conservatives kind of point to him and they're like, look at this rational liberal <laughs> yeah. over here making good sense. We share his podcast back and forth all the time yeah. yeah and like fox news has always got every you know every monday is a bill maher clip they're like oh remember what look what bill maher said on friday night and my buddy you know my buddy will and i worked on al gore's campaign in 2000 and i was talking to him the other day and i said you know if somebody came to us in the fall of 2000 we were down there in miami day and they're in the recount like and said hey guys 20 years from now you know you guys are going to be holding up for dudes playing in women's sports I'd be like, wait, come on, no. I mean, this is not where we're going with this, is it? Like, you know, it just wouldn't have something that we ever would have thought of that that was a trajectory of the party. But you're at that not point. fighting for that. No, I'm not. But I'm yeah. saying, but no, but I'm considered more conservative because I'm, you know, against those things no, that I, I, I would that I wouldn't have been for 20 years ago anyway. That's 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 kind of my point. Russ, I do have him on tape saying he's voting for Tate. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaning towards Tate, and I'll tell you why. I'm leaning towards Tate. Um, a few things, local issues. First, number th- number one is, you know, 13 months ago, we didn't have any water in the city I live in. And Tate came in and, and fixed that in my mind. And he put that together. Second issue, more importantly, I think even the water, maybe not, but anyway, is the Capitol Police, which has just made an impact on our whole neighborhood. 
and changed the um, you know two years ago the two CCID ago, in general yeah two summers ago it was there was a carjacking every day in my neighborhood it was I think the Allen's carjacking was pretty widely publicized everybody saw that so the Capitol Police have made an impact on Jackson and I think that's a lot to do with Tate. So there's two big issues there. I can drink water and I'm not getting jacked. Isn't so it amazing, though, that, that how, how competency overrides ideology? Like, yeah. at some level, mm-hmm. what we expect out of government is just a certain core competency. Yeah. And, and like, the deal with the water, right? I mm-hmm. mean, he came in and literally in a weekend basically yep. figured out how to fix it. Got a, got a part-time pump in, mm-hmm. figured out how to get it back online. And then, candidly, Ted Hennepin's done the same thing. I was, sure. I was super critical of Ted Hennepin when he first came in. Yeah. Super suspicious of what he was doing. The reality is, dude is, has identified the problems in the system, has worked very quickly to fix the problems in the system. But what does he get? He goes from being portrayed as sort of Biden's sort of hand-picked guy to come in and control Jackson, yeah. Mississippi water, to now the people of Jackson, or at least the power brokers in Jackson, are against Ted Hennepin mm-hmm. because they feel like they're st- he's stepping on their toes. Well, what he's doing is he's fixing problems that for decades were either ignored or incompetently handled, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we've talked about it. And, and yeah, I think the power brokers of Jackson feel like they're not going to get their cut is the big thing, right? I mean, allegedly, like, that's what we feel like. They're, well, they feel like they're being cut out of the whole process, and they don't like that. I know we said we wouldn't be controversial, but let me start here. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, the, the minority set-aside situation in Jackson and the Chakwe Lumumbas of the world, and why is his sister the face of this campaign mm-hmm. to – to uh, get Hennepin removed or for them to have more say-so, you're not an elected official in the city. Well, you were anointed by the Poor People's Campaign to fight for the, the people of Jackson. Look, y'all have had 30-some-odd years of full, far-left, black Democrat control in Jackson since Harvey Johnson's first first uh, term. You, you, you guys have not handled this well. You could have done anything else other than what you've done it is time for the adults to step back in the room i don't care what race they are i don't care who they are i don't care who appoints them if they're doing a good job let them continue to do it he seems to be doing a good job i met the man up at the neshoba county fair just by happenstance i had to get a picture with him i'm like save jackson and jackson water and he's really saving jackson and he's literally drink water democrats favorite word literally he's literally saving Jackson. Ever since you've said that, now every time I say literally, I think about it. You know, like you know, when you're a kid and you say certain things, mm-hmm. and your mom's like, "Don't say that." And you think about it. It's kind of like that now. I'm you like, know, it, it all started. It all started with the blue-haired baristas with the Black Lives Matter shirts on, calling everybody a literal Nazi. I, I didn't. I, I never even thought about that before. It's a literal Nazi. <laughs> well, I mean, here's what I'd say, backing up on on the Jackson situation. I mean, Henry Wingate. I think in his order, or when he responded to that hearing that they had where activists from the community came forward and, and lodged all these complaints against Hennepin that were largely race-based, you've got an African-American judge saying, you know, this is the same sort of rhetoric that candidly African-Americans were subjected to in the 1960s. Yeah. And so if we're calling people to a higher standard, we have to hold ourselves to that same high standard. I think, it, you know, we talked about Hennepin helping to save Jackson. Candidly, I think Henry Wingate, uh, is also a hero in the conversation about how do we fix the things that allow people to live good lives in Jackson. Because here's a judge who's been on the bench for a very long time. Sean, you probably practiced in front of him some. I think since 1985 was an appointment. Yeah. I believe that's a long time. And, and you know, candidly, his reputation, I practiced in front of him. His reputation was that he was very slow. Yes, that's uh, exactly right. Very, that's what I've heard here. Slow, like, yeah, right? yeah, always. So, so, you know, you'd have a summary judgment motion and you'd be like, okay, well, well, We'll hear from about that in three years, yeah. which is really abnormal. For some reason, I don't know if it's a legacy play. I don't know if he genuinely senses how bad the problem was. 
he has decided to be extremely active in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he's also not taking any nonsense when it comes to sort of attempts to be divisive. You know, I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but they had a call center in Jackson for Jackson Water. And they moved it to Pearl. And they right? moved it to yeah. Pearl, and that created all sorts of flack. Well, the average call time was over four hours. Mm-hmm. And it went down to a minute and 39 yeah. seconds to, yeah. be able, to be able to get through, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care who's running it. If you save me four hours yeah. and solve my problem, I like you. Yeah. And now Listen. I saw where, you know, Sean sent me this, and I, I saw it on Kingfisher's site where they're sending out these uh, notices now to let everybody know you've got to start paying your water or we're going to cut it off. And, uh, of course, there's backlash. Uh, what do uh, you mean I got to pay my water? Well, yeah. I don't know. I now, now look. Should you have to pay it when it doesn't work? Absolutely not. Yeah, you should not be paying your water when when you get when you don't have water. I don't care what the excuse is. If I ain't getting a service, I'm not paying for said service. Yeah, but true. when the water's working, look. You know, people come at me all the time. Like Clay, you don't live here anymore. Why do you have a? Why do you care? Well, first, it's my capital city. Uh, my inheritance is in Jackson. My my family still owns a large home here. And Lord, God forbid something happened to them, that'll become my my issue. You know, I, I've. I grew up here. Uh, I have a, there you, so you can see it. I have a Jackson, Mississippi tattoo on the top of yeah. my arm. I love Jackson, Mississippi. I hate what's happened to it, but this is why I fight for Jackson. You know, I mean, I just the the water situation is what taking it back to the water. That's what broke me. That, you know, we we talk about mm. that, what are, what is our rock bottom? Like, why did you finally leave Jackson? This, that, and the other. February. Of twenty one ice storm mm-hmm. when I had a porta potty in my garage for what two three weeks. It's amazing something. how bad two thousand twenty one was for Jackson in terms of the crime and the water scenario. Scenario mm-hmm. where that because that's the same time it almost caused me to leave when we were getting carjacked every day yeah, tw- in the neighborhood. Man, that's where again back to leading towards Tate when that situation is now resolved. One hundred and fifty three homicides, I believe it was. Yeah, twenty one. It's terrible. At, at, well, look mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what is the city responsible for? It's responsible for roads that work, mm-hmm. water that works police that keep people safe i mean those are the core responsibilities of a city and and i guess i would add garbage pickup <laughs> yeah right forget about that and, one and so you know that was that so was that, they're, that, they're that was zero the, for four yeah. that was the emperor has no clothes moment for chalkway i think mm-hmm. uh the, the garbage thing just intentionally showed that who he was about he was about himself I, I really think that's the moment that turned a lot of the black democrats in jackson on chalkway i think that will come back to haunt him well i think this is what we, we brought it before you know, even somebody – I don't even know who his supporters are, but, I mean, I'm sure there's some still out there. But if you can point to one thing he's done correctly, and I don't know that anybody's been able to do that. I've not heard – like, Chokeway's done a really good job at X, Y, and Z. I don't know that anybody – because everybody, whether you agree with them or not, does something positive, at least one thing, you know, that's positive that you can point to. But I don't know that he's got one of those things. Well, you know, what they what they have done, what they have done is taken time from their busy schedule of saving Jackson – to uh, draft a resolution to let 60 Minutes know how mad they are. Oh, yeah, that's, well, I mean, at least it's not renaming the street, though, like I said. It's not. Did you see uh, that, Russ? Yeah, I saw it. I mean, can I just say that, one, part of me, uh, like, I'm not obsessed with Deion Sanders the way a lot of people seem to be obsessed mm-hmm. with him. I'm also not against him. Like, I think he's an interesting personality. He's lived an interesting life. He's great for college football right now. I I don't know that I'm pulling for him or against him, but I'm watching every Colorado game. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, he, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. I don't understand the level of hatred that he gets from people in Mississippi, in Jackson. 
I, I get that there are some arguments about the way in which he left, but name me a football coach that has gone from one school to another school where yeah. there haven't been some hurt feelings. Let me introduce you Brian, to Dan Mullen. Or Brian Kelly, recently, just most recently with Or, I mean, LSU, heck, right? Tommy Tuberville, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. I mean, yeah, literally absolutely. said he was not leaving but for in a pine you box. You said literally. You said literally, literally. he did it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, got some, I got some question <laughs> about your am, 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 am I about to get thumped or something? Yeah, no, it's a literally, is no, it's, it's a is literally like word. Is this like dog? Is <laughs> yeah. there a shocker underneath my chair? You get a, you get a ruler on your hand every time you say literally. The problem <laughs> is you subconsciously put it into my brain a second yeah, ago. Yes, yeah, so you're right. And, and I told JSU fans this when he started winning that first season. I said, guys, you don't want to hear this. It's, JSU is a stepping stone job. Mississippi State is a stepping stone job. We just are. It is what it is. Ole Miss is a stepping stone job. If, if Alabama comes calling for – for Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's going to Alabama. If whoever, if LSU comes calling for state's coach, I don't think his phone can be ringing at all if he if he don't yeah. turn it around. Yeah. But neither here nor there. I, I am wearing my maroon. It's Maroon Friday, uh, you know. But I told I told him this, I said, man. It, it's a stepping stone job. Dion wins. He, he's going to leave. You're just going to have to accept your, accept that. And mm-hmm. they started getting really mad at me when we started associating Dion's name with other schools. I'm like, guys, this is. Welcome to the Dan Mullen era estate. This is having the hottest coach of the moment. You, other schools are going to talk about wanting your coach. It was a, I think it's a bit of an inferiority complex. And I think it's the first time JSU got to experience that on a national level. Well, I don't think I know it is. And I don't think they knew how to, how to deal with it. No pun intended. They weren't ready for prime time. <laughs> well, and, you know, I don't even know if it's inferiority so much as you got to recognize that there are some really big opportunities out there in the world. And candidly, when somebody gets one of those opportunities, the first instinct shouldn't be to pull them down. Yeah, It should be to kind of celebrate the fact that someone did something well enough yep. that they achieved something that gave them a bigger opportunity. That's part of the problem with our culture writ large. It's like we spend way more time trying to tear people down than we do recognizing that people who are successful – Probably have done something right. What do they call that? Crabs in a bucket? Yeah, maybe well, like envy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. I, and look, I think the Dion thing. I, I, this is where I think the inferiority complex comes in. I think the Dion thing it, it broke a lot of people in Jackson. It, it hurt them first time they've had that happen. Somebody left Jackson mm-hmm. for a better situation in their mind, which apparently it, with brain drain it happens all the time. But that's another conversation for another day, Shad White. Um, <laughs> I, but I think that that sixty minutes thing broke Jackson. I don't know. They've made such a big deal out of about that that nobody would have paid any attention to it. But I guess two or three people here were watching. They saw a crack house and they saw a beautiful mountain view. They're like, oh, you showed the best of Boulder and the worst of Jackson. But, but that's Man. the way Boulder looks. I've been there a ton of times. I mean, it's 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 eastern Colorado. It looks great. Yeah. It's a really pretty town. It just it is. The only place where I'll I'll maybe defend people a little bit. I hadn't seen the clips. There is a tendency when media talks about Mississippi that they talk about it in the worst possible terms. Right? Absolutely. That's there, true. There is, yeah. there is sort of this national narrative that we're going to go find the poorest place in the state. We're going to talk to the least educated people in the state mm-hmm. because it, it behooves them to do so because it allows the rest of the country to be aghast. Yeah. Right? And so I, that's, like, look the, at only that part, place. that's like, the only yeah. part where I might be a little – understanding of where they're coming from I, I, that, that's th- your I, point I, yeah. I can get that um i call that the yeah. uh tornado through a trailer park theory. that's what i was about yeah. to say the same thing you're exactly saying. What yeah, yeah yeah they, they, they interviewed that you know it's like whatever they find, and they find <laughs> the absolute worst person they could man it sounded like a dang old <laughs> yeah. train coming through where they find the 
the transgender thing in Jackson. It took a piece of my burger. Piece of my burger. I forgot about that. That was. Yeah, that I have was, no idea what you're talking about. Oh, that that's that a good, that's right, we'll a good find, clip. We'll, we'll find that. We'll find it during the break. All right. Look, speaking of breaks, let's take one real quick. This is the Clay Edwards Show here live on 103.9 FM WYB. We've got Russ Latino with the Magnolia with MagnoliaTribune.com here in the studio, as well as your favorite and my favorite white liberal, Sean Purple Haired Yurt Karan. We'll be right back on 103.9. Men, if you answer yes to any of these questions, you could be suffering from low testosterone. Do you have low sex drive, ED, always tired, depressed, loss of muscle mass, obese, loss of focus and drive? You, my friends, need to get your numbers checked. Check out Men's Health of Mississippi, located in Madison, Mississippi, and online at menshealthms.com. Guys, get your numbers checked today. Trust me, she'll thank you for it. I promise. Menshealthms.com. Men's Health of Mississippi. All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. We're live here on WYAB, streaming worldwide at WYAB.com. So if you get outside our listen area, just go to your online browser there on your phone, your mobile browser, type in WYAB.com, hit listen live or listen now or something like that. You'll see it. You'll figure it out. And boom, there you go. You'll be streaming wide, streaming live. Save that to your favorites there on your phone. And it's just like having a WYAB app on your phone. Also, if you're on the website, if you click each host, those who have a podcast, it'll link you directly to their to our podcast. Mine, Kim Wade, Jameson Haygood does his some, and uh, Allison Owe and everybody else there. Hey, real quick, Martin's downtown tonight. They got this super cool, fun band called Sex Brews. Apparently, they are... Super fun. Go check out check out their Facebook page. You can kind of see the pictures and all um, and kind of read the description there. And then tomorrow night, Saturday night, one of my favorites and yours, Southern Comfort Brass Band right there downtown at Martin's. Hey, go check out the new patio there at Martin's. Huge TVs. The weather's nice. I had lunch there yesterday morning with some, I say morning, about 11 o'clock yesterday. I got the country fried steak. I couldn't resist. Country fried steak, and it's hand battered. So, look, get down there. Grab lunch, and don't forget, coming up October 7th, one of my great, great friends and favorite bands of all time, Storage 24, Baby Fred, Matt, the whole team, they're going to be there live with special guest Love the Hate, and uh, I think we will be there for that as part of a Clay Edwards show partay. So, um, nothing official, but I'm just saying. Yeah, no, um, I'm down. Let's 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 posse up and go enjoy Storage 24. You don't have to talk me into going to Martin's. I know. We don't don't. ever have to do that. (laughs) Like, ever have to do that. Hey, and real quick, mark your calendars. The Weeks are returning to Jackson for their 10th anniversary tour of Dear Bo Jackson. They will be there October 20th. Tickets available now. Just go to Martin's downtown, jxn.com. Don't forget tonight, ribeye steak night at Martin's. Uh, get down there, check it out. Tell them Clay sent you. Tell them Sean sent you too. All right, we got Russ Latino here in the studio with us this morning with MagnoliaTribune.com. We had a good opening segment there. Shout out to my my buddy Fred Shanks for the compliment. Uh, said he was listening live this morning. Fred, Fred is Fred is just a, such a nice guy. Fred's had a fun week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's had a fun. Oh look. man! But hey, look, at least Fred's picture is in the New York Times, right? There yeah, you gotta look at it that way. That's you know, not everybody get to say that. Not, and, and and not as the subject of the yeah, not as the subject of the the bat of you know, yeah. it's not like Bailey's picture there sitting there, you know, looking <laughs> like I don't even know how to describe that i mean you just don't want your picture in the new york times like this is the stuff you did you're like oh wow so, like, that's so not good. here's what i'll tell you about fred i spent a lot of time in the capitol right um and 
everybody in the Capitol has enemies. Like, just personal clashes. God knows I would. Different differences <laughs> of opinion. Uh, you know, different corporate sponsors. Whatever you want to say, right? Um, Fred is one of those affable guys that I don't know that I've ever met anybody that's like, I just don't like that Fred Shanks. Uh, he's just a likable guy. And he has had uh, maybe more attention than, than he wanted this week, mm-hmm. um, as anybody probably in that situation would. But I think he's also handled himself pretty well. Well, yeah. I mean, look, he, he he gets that from his father. And, uh, you know, if you knew his dad, Doug, you you would definitely understand where Fred gets that from. Uh, I think Doug groomed Fred quite well to be able to handle this type of situation and carry himself with the class that he has. Well, so. t- you know, just reading the article, I think anybody's just going to take away from that, at least mine, is that he's just kind of the victim. You know, he's yeah. a victim here. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's, he's sympathetic. It's not like it doesn't look like anything bad he did. It just look, he looks to be the victim from the way I Well, he, he was the victim, but he was also the only guy that was actually pursuing justice, it mm-hmm. felt like. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Because it seemed like everybody that looked at it either looked at it and kind of was dismissive or they mm-hmm. looked at it and passed it on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And for, I mean, they knew about this for eight years, nine years, whatever the, you know. Yeah. That's incredible to me. What an incredible abuse of power, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the kind of stuff that makes people distrustful. Yeah, you know, sure. you said do not comply earlier sort of in your lead in. I, I think, you know, we, we have this dynamic in America today where we talk about policing that it's either absolute back the blue or it's defund the police. And in my mind, the truth is somewhere in the middle and should be fact-based. And if what the police are doing violates the law itself, then they should be held to the same standard, if not a higher standard, because of their position of authority. Yeah, I fall in the back the blue side of that, and that's kind of how I cut my teeth and built my large, a large part of my following. And I'll, I'll never not support the boots-on-ground police. Even as much stuff as I've said about JPD, I still support the front-line soldiers there, you sure. know, our officers, our deputies, yeah. so on and so forth. But there have been some things out of Rankin County that's made it real hard to be waving the flag of, of back the blue the last little bit. But, you know, sometimes you got to – I say it all the time. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to realize you got some problems. Mm-hmm. And then you can – it's how do you address those problems – you know, get it situated, however that may be. If it's Brian stepping down, whatever, um, let's get them addressed and move on. Move but forward. Look, look, look at it this way. Like I agree with you that by and large, the overwhelming majority of people in law enforcement are asked to do incredibly hard work for very low pay. They're put into circumstances that you and I probably don't fully appreciate day in and day out. All of that stuff deserves respect. It deserves a degree of grace, um, but. Let's say somebody broke into your house and sexually assaulted your wife, and that person happened to be a police officer. You wouldn't say back the blue there. The facts would the facts would dictate a different sort of emotion, right? Back and something else. And, and all I'm <laughs> saying is there there've got to be factually based limits sure. yeah. to the way that we think about these issues. It's not as easy as black and white. It's more nuanced than that. So looking at it and saying, hey, look, if you're if you're in a position of authority and you abuse that authority to spy on citizens. And the reason that you're spying on citizens is because you don't like the fact that your girlfriend um, may have relationships with other men. Well, that's a real problem, right? And it's the real problem that candidly shouldn't be overlooked when it's brought to authorities' attention. And I think, yeah, I think this thing goes even – because if you look at that from – I'm just reading what you all have read in the New York Times, Mississippi Day, the – 
Michael Guest did some sort of investigation in it where he uncovered this. We all read that. Then he he is, I guess, related to Fred. Like his first cousin. First, cousin. first cousins. To me, that's a proper thing. What he did was I'm going to recuse myself and hand this off to Jim Hood. That's what I would have done. I, I thought mean, Fred, I, DA. I thought it showed made, made Michael Guest look really good. That's what I thought, too. I mean, some people called me and said, oh, Guest, look. I was like, I don't think so. I think he looks pretty good here. Yeah, I, like, I think he, so, too. He did the appropriate and a, thing. And I've been a critic of Guest with mm-hmm. some of his stuff. I mean, personally, he's always treated me very, very nice. But as a, I thought as a DA and as a stand-up guy, I thought he did the absolute right thing where the ball got dropped is at the AG's office. Yeah, that's the way I took it. You know, having worked in both positions at the DA's office and the Attorney General's office, the sheriff bringing subpoenas over to the DA's office is a matter of course. I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, we did that all the time, and that was that's not something that's weird. It's a sheriff. Like, what are you going to do? Sheriff's office got some subpoenas they want issued. You do it. So I get what the DA's office did in that regard. Then he hands it over to Jim, and I don't, I don't understand having worked over there at the AG's office for two years, how public integrity didn't investigate that according to the article because to me it's pretty black and white the sheriff is sitting there using the grand jury to spy on his girl you can't do that i mean i think anybody like in grade school would read that but like yeah i don't think you can do that you can't use the grand jury to spy on your girlfriend so why that wasn't investigated and why he wasn't indicted it seems like a pretty like a layup don't you guys think so i mean but, but a layup the, for that to happen so, so here's another question the grand jury didn't actually i mean the grand jury didn't sign off on the subpoenas right well, no i don't think so i think they were just they, call them grand jury subpoenas right yeah, the, which happens they're too. issued by the district attorney's office absolutely right right mm-hmm. so at some level to me there's this broader question of how do we make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again that's kind of hard to think about russ because i mean like so the sheriff so let's say i'm working they've in Hines moved County, that they've moved and, that ability to the circuit clerk's office now right in rankin in rankin but i mean if you're like, a, like my experience is in pines for being there so long like if tyree jones brings us some subpoenas who's sheriff now back when i was there was mcmillan i mean a lot of times you're not going to question it, right? Because you're thinking it's the sheriff. Like, but if it was a, a handwritten note that said school wrongdoings, that, but that would, <laughs> would you go, tell me more about this, this yeah. suspected crime? Well, I mean, you, you know, well, I think he, the, he gave that to a paralegal, right? That's what the thing was, a paralegal. So I don't know who the, I guess, I, mean, I guess the paralegal was in charge of issuing the subpoenas or being, you know, being the administrator of that. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we can, maybe there's be more oversight of what the sheriff does. That's just kind of hard though. Having worked in that environment, it's like, it's, the cops and the sheriff are, are kind of like your co-workers when you're at the DA's office. I mean, you all work together. So it, to mistrust them is, a, is just something that you know, I mean, obviously don't want to do because it impacts your working relationship. That's why I was telling Clay on the show you know, about um, like with Jody Owens in the um, Anthony Fox case. What, you know, I don't know, not getting the merits of that, but what always bothered me is that you know, when you're the DA, it's hard to indict your own cops. That's why you kind of refer that out because you, these are people that you work with every day. And it's not something I would do in that context. So – in this context, it just it's like a it's like a family relationship with the cops when you're at the DA's office. So I don't know how you Which how, is why you I think you have to have some kind of independent oversight. Yeah. Now I don't think it has to be like on a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, having a certain degree of, of subpoenas that get audited by a judge or, or get actually looked at by the grand jury just to kind of keep people on the up and up, maybe yeah. may a, a way to approach that. Well, I think too, like there because there's different kinds of subpoenas too. If it's uh, if they was actually pinging their phones, when I've done that before, you actually have to go to a circuit judge and do an application for that because there's you know there's privacy say, issues related to that. So I don't know if this is pinging locations or is it or is this getting transcripts? Of yeah, text I couldn't messages. tell from the article what they meant. If it's just because you can get a subpoena for those records, like the actual call records, which is different than getting like a cell site map ping record, yeah. or two different things. So I don't know what he was getting so so i i'm fairly confident in saying that it, he was not pinging the phones okay. what he was doing was getting transcripts of text messages and call logs in and out of the phones yeah can that, you that's get what I thought. back the last time i've issued a subpoena for text messages is probably like 2015 or 16 back then you couldn't get the substance of the message 
whenever you got those things. I don't know now if that technology has changed uh, or if anybody, I don't I know. I believe, well, just from looking at the polo trial, I believe you can see. All I think the text they messages. dumped the phone in that trial, which you can dump the yeah. phone. But here with Bailey, I think what they this is back in 2014. So having worked in that in that era, I know he would not have been able to subpoena the substance of the message. He would have just been able to say this number texted this number. Gotcha. That's the only thing you could have seen at that time and in 2014. Well, I just want to say this real quick. We got we'll take a break and we can pick this back up on the other side. I, the, one of the big red flags from this even even if you want to say there's some merit to the to the phone record taps to getting the records all that why is the sheriff investigating what would be just a street level crime in in a alleged uh stolen goods or drugs what did or, he call it like drugs or house burglary i thought, yeah. they, I thought jim hood said it was house burglary yeah i mean why, why, which, is, why, why is the top guy they, investigating it? and and then the fact that it's his girlfriend that he's investigating or is it, or at this time without getting too into the weeds was it his, we all know it's your girlfriend, or was it still Fred's wife, and they didn't know that, where were we at in the timeline? She was also an employee of the Rankin County Sheriff's Office. Yeah. And the former sheriff's daughter. So, like, I think so if you, newer, if you anticipate that yeah. or suspect that she is in the commission of a crime, it is strange that she is still on your payroll and serving as your assistant. Yeah, well, a lot yeah. of moving parts there, and then then the putting the tracker on. That's uh, a good Kristen's, point too. <laughs> putting the tracker on Kristen's vehicle. That this is this is dirty. This is it. Just it, it, it mm-hmm. reeks of it. Reek nothing. There's nothing good about. And, this. and look, none mm-hmm. of this happens in a vacuum, right? I mean, this is coming on the heels of what is one of the largest controversies, at least in Mississippi law enforcement history, in a, in a good while. Sure. Um, and what it suggests is a culture that was very willing to bend the rules let's take or break the rules let's go to the let's go to break on that callers stay on hold this is the clay edwards show with russ latino and sean york Caron. we'll be right back on 103.9 wyab hey guys clay edwards here i want to tell you real quick about rc lawn care my buddy richard coley is going to be the guy you need to contact for all of your lawn maintenance needs you can reach him at 601-502- 3529. They offer roof to curb service, blowing off the roof, gutter cleaning, basic lawn care, including mow, trim, edge, and blow, full lawn cleanup, trash removal, garden supplies delivered, pine straw installs, driveway, and sidewalk pressure washing. If grass is growing, you need RC lawn care mowing. Again, 601 502 3529. Richard Coley at RC Lawn Care. Proud sponsor of the Clay Edwards Show. All right, welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. We're live here on 103.9 FM, WYAB. Hey guys, real quick, this segment going to be brought to you by my good friends over at Gracie South Jiu Jitsu and Kickboxing. Hoist Gracie Black Belt, Mr. Chance Shepard, is the adult. Jiu-Jitsu instructor over there, and a little birdie told me that the legendary Hoist Gracie is going to be at Gracie South here soon, so make sure you're following those guys on social media to find out when that is, and of course, if you listen to this show, I will let you know when Hoist Gracie is going to be in Jackson, or Central Mississippi, is, should I say. They have two locations, um, right there, Madison on Ridgecrest Drive and Pearl at Fairmont Plaza, but hey man, way more than just adult jiu-jitsu, they have children's children's jiu-jitsu great way to teach your kids bully prevention and discipline they have female only uh self-defense classes taught by a female instructor with a no male intimidation atmosphere 
and as well as fitness kickboxing, a great non-monotonous workout. You can do it all there at Gracie South. Here's the good part. You may be questionable, little have some questions about this. Man, Clay, I don't know if I want to do a long-term commitment to something I've never done. First week's free, no contracts, and then you're going to get 20% off of your fees moving forward if you just mentioned that you heard it here on the Clay Edwards Show. So what do you got to lose? Some weight? Go check out GracieSouth.com. All right, here in the studio, I've got Russ Latino and Sean Yurkaran. I am, of course, Clay Edwards. Uh, let's pick this um, topic back up about the Rankin County stuff real quick. Uh, th- th- here's another interesting parallel on this thing mm-hmm. is they had, uh, there was a Meridian police officer that had gotten arrested and went to jail for doing a subpoena on his wife's phone records at the same time yeah. uh, public integrity arrested him from the AG's office. Mm-hmm. You know, I-, I can't stand uh, when politicians or anybody, p- powerful people, don't get the same treatment that John Q. Citizen mm-hmm. gets. I, you know, I think it sets a terrible precedent. I think we're dealing with it nationally right now, you know, uh, with, with the Bidens or the Trumps, depending on what side you're on. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, I thought justice was supposed to be equal and blind. You know what's interesting about it, too, is that Jim's a Democrat and Bailey's a Republican. So you would think, you know, just on face value, that he wouldn't have a problem. Man, I'm just going to prosecute a Republican sheriff. But apparently he just – he didn't – maybe he – Took that. I don't know why he took that into account, but it didn't seem like that would be as like it wasn't like it wasn't like Bailey was a Democrat and he was worried about I don't want to prosecute a Democratic sheriff. But I will say this: Jim Hood had an incredible reputation and and sort of his the way that people talk about his relationships with sheriffs That's was true. always incredibly positive, right? Yeah, and I think in yeah. a lot of ways he saw his role more as a law enforcement role than, say, Attorney General Fitch does. Yeah, um, and yeah so, that's for sure. And that's so, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just think, no, I think there's I know. a difference in approach, right? I, Absolutely. I mean, I don't think Jim was not – Jim didn't take on these big political cases for the most part. I know he had one against Google that was kind of – I don't know if that – I don't think that ever actually went anywhere. But he wasn't, he wasn't taking on these big, like, liberal issues. I don't, I don't remember him doing that. I mean, yeah. there may have been something. I just can't remember one off the top of my head. He had some kind of suit against Hollywood or something at one point, or film producers or something at one point. But there were things like that. But I think, I think it's not that surprising when you look back and, and talk to people about what his relationship was like with sheriffs across mm-hmm. the state. Right. I that, see, that he would that he would want to almost defend them a little bit. Yeah, Jim always thought of working for me. He always thought of himself as a as a cop. I think a lot of times he was big law enforcement kind of guy. I mean, he's got to got that look, you know, cowboy boots kind of dude that. Uh, yeah, sure. well, I could, and, and look, he, he emails or used to email you in all caps. You know, he's that kind of guy. To, to the credit of Alyssa and and Jerry, I think they alluded to this. It's like it's very peculiar that Public Integrity didn't get Michael Guest report. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it was assigned to what appears to be a part time employee of the Attorney General's office. Yeah, and I know Ed who, very well. He who himself to- said, "I wasn't actually asked to investigate this. I was asked to review the letter." It, yeah. And dealing with that on another case, the you know, Robert Smith stuff that went on that Jim prosecuted back when, when I was there, that's what Ed kind of did. He was kind of like the legal genius. Like that was his role there to come in and look at things from a legal perspective and give everybody his opinion, which, you know, he had a, he has a really good opinion. The guy's really smart and he'd come up with something. So that was, I don't ever saw Ed investigating anything. I don't think that was his role. So, yeah. Interesting stuff there. Well, let me just ask y'all your, your opinion. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. What, what do you think happened? What, what do you think? Should Brian step down or does he, does he, does he have to hold on and ride this thing through? I mean, from a legal perspective, does he have a, is, is what's best for Brian? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that because I don't know what all is still out there. Um, I suspect this is not going to be the last 
story and the string of stories. Uh, I think there are people who are looking to questions around the way trustees were used. Yeah. Um, I think there are people who are looking into questions around the way that public equipment was used. I think there are questions about, um, you know, compensation for different things. So I suspect there's going to be more of this, not less. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I believe that he should resign. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a big part of that is I have a hard time accepting that what happened uh, with Parker um, and, and that whole situation with the two men who got, got abused and tortured. The, the gun squad The situation. gun squad okay. stuff. I have a hard time believing that, that even if Brian Bailey didn't know about that, that it wasn't a part of the culture. Exactly. Right? Like you, you mm-hmm. get to, if you get to the point that you're that comfortable doing that to other people, it means you've pushed the envelope before. Yeah. If you've got drugs waiting to plan on somebody, there's a good chance you've planted drugs on somebody before. If you've got a gun you're willing to plan on, like all of those things suggest a culture that was extremely permissive, which is probably the most gracious way that I can describe that. Um, and then you add on top of it evidence of direct abuse of power. Yeah, I believe he should resign. I don't believe he will. Um, no, yeah. he's, he's using it as a bargaining chip with the feds. That's my best. That's what I think he's doing. And, and look, you've got six guys sitting in prison right now in solitary confinement, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for their protection? Well... Um, and at some point, um, the FBI is going to sit down with those guys and they're going to show them Brian Bailey's press conference. I'm sure that's already happened. Um, and at some point those guys are going to say, you know what? Let's talk now, whether or not that leads to anything, I don't know. I just, um, I think if you're him, you hold on to it, um, with the thought that potentially it's a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'll say this as a, as a Rankin County resident. And, and again, uh, Brian's always been good to me. I, I respect the hell out of what they do out there at the Sheriff's Department on a surface level. Uh, Paul Holly's been on the show several times, buddy of mine. I can, I, I, I can, I can, I don't know, forgive Brian is the best way to say it for the Goon Squad stuff and say, okay, let's just, let, let's compartmentalize and say maybe he didn't know what was going on. Where I have the, where I have a problem is this, this situation, this abuse of power, this using your power to spy on your girlfriend who was somebody else's wife who was allegedly having an affair with somebody else, and you spied on that person too. I have a problem with that. You know, after um, we were on air Wednesday when the story came out, a bunch of my buddies I used to work with at the DA's office called. We all talked about the scenario. And the consensus was kind of the same as, like, you know, having dealt with the grand jury and the subpoenas for so many years. Like, if you're loosey-goosey enough to do that, like, to go mess with the grand jury, grand jury subpoenas or subpoenas in any regard, I mean, there's just no telling what you're capable of with that. Because, I mean, there's no way that anybody I know would have thought, like, hey, man, let's go, you know, use these subpoena power to spy on our girlfriend. I mean, if you're willing to do that, you're, you're really, you're, I, there's, I just feel like there's no limit to what you're willing to do. Because just from having, you know, been in that environment, knowing what that's about, it's, um, it's, it's kind of scary, really, thinking about that somebody that was a public official was willing to do that. Yeah, like I said, I'm not going to get into the, the the morals of the of the uh, affairs and this that. Yeah, and the I don't care. I, right. I've been on the I've been on both ends of that yeah. in my in a, in a previous life, <laughs> and I don't want to sit here and, and throw rocks from my glass house. But mm-hmm. I also wasn't using the power of the sheriff's department to 
yeah. to spy on people's phone, private conversations. And, and look, l- let me say when I'm saying that it was permissive culture, I'm not suggesting that Bailey knew or was involved in what happened with the mm-hmm. goon squad that night. Uh, I'm just suggesting that it suggests to me that if you're comfortable doing that as an officer, it means you've gotten away with stuff in the past. That's like cussing at work, right? I mean, on, on a different level, it's like, okay, once you know, you try to be all prim and proper, you know, but then somebody lets the boss man lets a cuss word slip. Oh, I can cuss if he can cuss. And it's just mm-hmm. this, like you say, it's a culture from top down. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, come back, land the plane for hour one. Come up in hour two. I want to talk about Brandon Presley versus Tate Reeves. we got the man of statewide politics right here in the studio with us, and we're going to shift gears a little bit. But first, we're going to come back, land the plane. We'll be right back on The Clay Edwards Show with Russ Latino and Sean Yerkeron on a free-for-all Friday here on WYAB. A minute, minute and a half here to close out hour one, but we've got a whole another hour to go. I haven't mentioned it, guys, but if you want to chime in, the Guns and Gear text line, 769 241 1944, uh, hour two, you're welcome to call in too. Just kind of, you know, keep it on point and short as possible since we have three of us in the studio. 601-879-0002. I guess we'll just end this with a little, um, <clears throat> any final thoughts on this Rankin County Sheriff thing? I've heard that the next New York Times article is going to be about the trustees. Is it really? That's, oh. what, I, that's what I'm hearing. You know, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Y'all, y'all, I think Russ mentioned you know something about trustees earlier, and that, that's kind of what I've heard is uh, the next the next article could be about the trustees. So we'll see how this shakes out. And, and look, I, I don't know what the evidence is to support claims around whether or not that program was being abused. So I want to be very clear about that on the front end. But there are letters circulating in Rankin County right now from anonymous people who claim to be within the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know at least alleging some significant things. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen that too. And I, I've chosen yeah. not to talk about it because of it being anonymous. It is I anonymous. Think, yeah. I think, you know, I think people need to put their names on stuff, but I do understand sometimes why people don't. So, uh, yeah. But on the flip side, if you know that uh, a sheriff is willing to go to uh, get subpoenas and track you down because he's interested in your, your affairs, maybe you're a little scared. Yeah, absolutely. To put your name on something. Absolutely. I, you know, I'll say this in closing, we're about 10 seconds left. That, that trustee program has been very good for a lot of people, and Brian has done a lot of good with uh, with the ministries he's allowed in that jail. Mm. So I don't want to let that go unsaid. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back in. It's hour two of the Realist Show on radio, your daily dose of reality radio. This is the Clay Edwards Show, having those uncomfortable conversations y'all keep telling me we need to have. That's what we do here every Monday through Friday morning, seven a.m. To 9 a.m. right here on the FM dial. Hey, guys, if you miss any of this, want to go back and listen to it later, I do podcast every show. It's available. I try to get it up by 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to the best of my ability. But uh, by 10, 1030 at the absolute latest, go to wherever you download podcasts, stream music, listen to audiobooks, any of that stuff. It goes everywhere. Just search Clay Edwards Show. And uh, hit the subscribe button. Leave me a good review, a bad review, whatever. I, I take love and I take hate. At least you're listening. Hey, real quick, this segment brought to you by, by my good friends down there at Mercy House Teen Challenge Auto Center in Crystal Springs, Mississippi. You're getting out car shopping this weekend. Come be some beautiful weather. Get down there to Crystal Springs. Stop in, especially if you're in the market for a vehicle in that ten to $20,000 range. I know that sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It's just not a lot of money for a car nowadays. They got you covered. And here's the other great thing. Credit. 
not going to be a problem too much down there. If you got proof of income, proof of residence, got a little down payment, they got a really, really good chance that they're going to get you rolling. And of course, they have programs available for folks with good credit too. So check them out, mercyhouseautocenter.com. And don't forget, if you've got a vehicle in your driveway you want to get rid of, running or not, you can donate it to Mercy House Teen Challenge and get the tax write-off for that vehicle. So hey, as long as you got a clean title, let's make that headache in the driveway go away. Donate it, it's going to a good cause, and you get the tax write-off. And uh, after all, after paying all their expenses and whatnot, the, pro- the proceeds go to Mercy House Teen Challenge, which helps beat addiction and put fathers back in homes, something that is very, very important to all of us. We talk about fatherless homes and the breakdown of society and all that stuff. You can have a part in helping fix that by helping put fathers back in homes as they beat addiction. That's mercyhouseautocenter.com. All right, joined here in the studio, Russ Latino with magnoliatribune.com and Sean Yerkeron with purplehairnation.com. <laughs> you know, right, I'm going to jump on Candace Owens. That's what I call Kim Wade, everybody. That's his, that's our nickname. Our text thread is Candace Owens. So, <laughs> so hey, um, you know, in, in, in closing about that last, the, the, what we spent the last hour talking about, you know, with Brian Bailey and the stuff from New York Times and everything, uh, a, a great point in that article is the fact that, you know, we have a sitting sheriff um, that they have proof of eight plus felonies that have been committed. You know, in that article there, you know, so of course the, uh, the the time has come and gone for anything to be done about it. But mm-hmm. you know that that's a bad situation. We'll see how it rectifies. It's going to be very interesting to watch. You want to talk about a hot seat? Coaches on hot seats. Brian Bailey's on hot seat. Yeah, I mean, you know, he just hates to open the paper every morning. It's just try, you know, like oh god, what's next? I look at it like my comment section on the Save Jackson Instagram. I don't, I don't look at it. Well, I mean, yeah. look, you, you've got a guy sitting out by the, the courthouse in Brandon every Saturday morning I with a him. sign. I go get coffee there at Mocha Mugs, and I see that guy. I've been meaning to stop and ask him who he is just for, just for conversation. I'm curious, you know? Yeah. So, What, is, um, what kind so of sign does the guy have? Bailey Gotta Go. Oh, Bailey Gotta Go. Something to that extent huh. every Saturday morning, you know? So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. I mean, if there's any more – if it gets any more salacious than what we already heard or whatever's happened, that's going to be just incredible. But nothing would shock me at this point. No, nothing. All right, uh, let's shift gears. we got a big uh, governor's race going on, man. Been a lot of stuff going on. I have been, um, I know I've been very hot on um, Brandon Presley's comments about uh, politicians who fly private to campaign, don't speak for the people, and then what does he do? He posts a picture, a selfie of himself flying private, and then immediately deletes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I've I've changed my tune a little bit on on Presley. I, I was not a hundred percent against him, but he's still got some things that I do support. I, as a conservative, I feel like I'm in the minority when I say this. I do support Medicaid expansion of some sort. So <clears throat> I do like that. But neither here nor there. Uh, Russ, where where are you at on this man? What, what what's the pulse of Mississippi saying about Presley and Tate and the whole nine yards? You know, I, I said very early on in this race that I think Brandon is a good retail politician. If you ever hear him on the stump, he's colloquial. He's got that all shucks, how's your mom and them kind of thing going on. I've heard him twice here recently between Neshoba and the Rankin County Breakfast out there at McLean's. And the, the second time, I didn't see who was speaking at McLean's. I, I thought it was Michael Guest for a second. And I, and, and you I told me hearing, about this. Yeah. And I started hearing Medicaid, because where I was at, I couldn't see. I started hearing Medicaid, and, I, and I, so I looked over who I was with. I'm like, who, who's up there? They're like, oh, it's Presley. I was like, man, he was saying things I liked and, uh, you know, until I got to the Medicaid, and it just made, well, that's not a conservative. Cause we, they don't say that out loud. 
You yeah. Know? So I, he does, he does retail politics very well. I, so, I think, oh, I'm sorry. No, no I, I didn't mean to step on you there. I think to just finish the thought quick, quickly, he is talented from a retail perspective, but I've also always said he's got no chance to win this election. And I stand by that. And I've said it multiple times over the course of the election because the tightrope that he's got to walk is not one that I think anybody could walk in the current political dynamic. He's got to figure out a way to energize a base of Democrats, particularly African-American Democrats that have been reticent in the past to get behind a white Democrat. Um, And that's a challenge. At the same time, he's got to get enough people who typically vote Republican to cross over. And I saw a political scientist describe it early on as playing whack-a-mole, where you gain one part of the constituency that you need to win and you lose the other part of the constituency. Mm -hmm. The other problem that he's had throughout this thing, and he's raised decent money, but he's not raised the kind of money that was needed to build the name ID, um, coming in with a huge name ID deficit, was that in order to attract Democrat mega donors with real money, you got to be not pro-life, not pro-gun. You know, all of those things that he's trying to say to get Republicans over are the things that prevent the people that gave Stacey Abrams $100 million from writing big checks to Brandon. Yeah, and so just from a, from a mechanic standpoint, it was never going to be, in my mind, a, a, an easy thing or even a possible thing for him to win. You know, have I been wrong before? Yeah. Could we wake up, you know, at the end of the election cycle and I got to come in here and eat crow? Maybe. But I will tell you that I'm pretty confident in saying Tate Reeves is going to win this election, regardless of what you think about him. The dynamics just don't play in Brandon's favor. Yeah, I was going to, you know, people joke about me being a conservative Democrat, but I'm like, Brandon has has played that pretty hard, like you're saying. Like he's got a commercial, and I'm sure you've all seen it. He's holding the Bible. He's talking about consulting with the Bible, and and he that he's pro life, and that he says all these, you know, basically. I mean, he sounds like a Republican except for Medicaid expansion. I don't know any other issue that he's got a liberal position on that I've heard. And I think to what you're goes to what you're saying, Russ. Jim Hood tried this a little bit in 2019 to try to pick off Republican votes against Tate and keep African American vote. And I don't know if anybody remembers the Jim Hood. He was making ammunition in one commercial. Does everybody remember that? Yeah. And playing, and they call it the, you know, he was trying to get the Bubba vote out there, yeah. and he wasn't successful. And I think um, and I think Jim actually had a better shot of doing that than Brandon does because he kind of is one of those guys. You know, he is, that is who kind of Jim Hood is. And I think Brandon's got a little bit more of a problem with that than uh, he would. But I don't even, I don't even remember, and one of you guys might, did Jim Hood say anything about his position on abortion? I don't even remember if he did or not. That he, that he made remember. an explicit statement. Brandon's made an explicit statement that he's pro-life, and, and then it goes with to Russ is saying that he can't get Democrat mega donors because of that. Um, I don't remember what Jim did on that issue, though. I cannot recall. Well, I sent him a message. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I sent him a message uh, when we got about the COVID stuff or whatever, and, and when he replied back, I told him, I said, you know, if you want, if you want to try to flip Republicans, angry Republicans that are bitter at Tate, mm. you're, you're, you're going at it wrong with the Tenth stuff. That's not but that that that's you're going to get those people who are upset about that you got their vote already i think you're wasting your time with this you need to go after tate's covid policies yeah. and that's where like i know the listeners of this station are the most disgruntled with tate i know it's absolutely where clay edwards is the most disgruntled with tate you know i think i would attack him on that more so than trying to connect him to the tamp stuff that's just in my opinion at least in the circles i run in the tamp stuff tanf however you want to say it is a nothing sandwich well, I would say, look, TANF is, is not a nothing sandwich in the sense that clearly crimes were committed 
there was an abuse of public funds. Where it is arguably a nothing sandwich is in these extremely attenuated attempts to connect. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Yes. And so if you're making these huge stretches to try and draw a connection, um, over time I think you lose a lot of credibility. And what you see candidly from the polling, um, polling that Siena and Mississippi College did, it showed on the two issues that Brandon has spent millions of dollars hammering Tate on that Tate was dead even with him on those two issues, right, on, on hospitals and on TANF. Um, so he had spent all this money trying to say, look at this destroyer of hospitals. Look at this corrupt guy over here. And the end result is, even with all that money spent on those two issues, they were, they were neck and neck, and everything else, Tate's leading them, right? And so, you know, in my brain, this is a, a probably a five- to seven-point race. I think people look back at the Phil Bryant years Sometimes and they're like, oh, you're supposed to win with 65% of the vote. Well, in fairness to Tate, Phil Bryant ran against a truck driver that didn't vote for himself yeah. in that second run, right? He didn't. <laughs> like, he didn't have real competition. Yeah. The way that Mississippi sets up is that you know a, a plausible Democrat starts with 40%, 42%. And then they have the ability to maybe get up another four or five percent, but until something changes the dynamic, you know, I think Tate's a five to seven point winner in this race. Um, you know, I've not seen anything that Brandon's done to eat into that, and the best shots that he's thrown have only brought him even on those two issues. Yeah, I, I will say that it, uh, post the truck driver guy, the Democrat Party has done a much better job rolling candidates out. Uh, on the governor truck side. driver guy, just, from, it just it is comical. From you Doug, from it. you know, from from Hood, Robert Jim Hood Gray. To, Robert Gray was his name. Thank you. From uh, I mean, e- even even Black Twitter was upset about that at the time. I just remember you know, like like some of their most outspoken uh, Black Democrats in and around Jackson being very upset at the Democrat Party for their inability to find a a candidate to run. Well, well there was Vicky, oh, Vicky Slater. Vicky Slater was running that year, and she had a big. Party and announcement. You remember that? Oh yeah. And uh, and, then, and then this the truck driver beat her in the primary. So Vicky Slater was the presumptive Democratic nominee in fifteen. She spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, she had all of the party apparatus behind her, and you had a guy that was like a virtual unknown uh, come out of nowhere. You know, with Robert Gray and 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 beat her. Um, but you know, then on the day of the election was was he's a long haul truck driver. He wasn't even in state, didn't vote for himself. Um, so so I think sometimes the comparisons that you hear, well, why isn't Tate winning the way that Phil Bryant won? One, they're different people, right? I mean, Phil was this incredible sort of retail politician guy. But two, the competition level's night and day. You had Jim Hood, who had won statewide elections over and over again. Brandon Presley, who is a talented retail politician um, against Tate. I, I think that you're right that Democrats have done better in that top spot. But if you look down ballot, they're struggling, right? Sure. And and I think the legislature is probably the best example of this. If you looked on qualifying day, and of course the Democrats didn't actually turn in their paperwork on qualifying day. No, nobody actually talks about that very much, but they missed the deadline to turn in their qualifying paperwork as a party. Uh, but if you look at the list, once it get, did get turned in, if Democrats had won every single House and Senate seat that they qualified a candidate for, Republicans would have still had a supermajority in the legislature. Yeah. So that's how, that's how difficult it's become for them to field candidates. I candidly don't think it's a good thing, right? I think we'd be much better off as a state if there was legitimate competition that forced people to own a set of beliefs. I 100% agree. I believe it's uh, either Stephen Yatroska 
uh, I believe, said it. He's like, man, when when everybody's when everybody's a Republican, nobody's a Republican. Yeah, something to that that extent. We're very. I mean, it shows out that we're a purple state more so than red anyway, in a lot of the policies and whatnot. So, I think I think you have a lot of white liberals who flip to Republican because you had to be Republican to win, and they're down there doing white liberal stuff. That's I think just my personal opinion. Example too is like you know everybody I know y'all especially on the conservative side use California as example of being overregulated and all the issues with that. But I mean that's a one party rule state for the most part. I mean they got a, I think they probably have a higher percentage of Republicans than we do have Democrats here. I don't actually know what the breakdown is, but you see when one ideology runs a state, that's what you know. That's a lot of things you get. You get Bill Maher who can't get his. Um, you know, energy upgrades approved for three years and things like and things like that, and all the people that are making the exodus from California because can't you know can't afford a home, and um, the other issues of issues. So I think you know, kind of what Russ is saying. I mean, it's like when it's too much on one side, you know, where do you end up? I think that's bad. Well, you want a true tug of war, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you want you want at least the kind of competition where iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. And, and there's there's something something real to that concept. I would say this, like you know, Mississippi is a socially conservative state. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why you have a Democrat politician running around talking about being pro-gun and pro-life. But I think what you see more and more of is that there's a difference between social conservatism and economic conservatism. In a lot of ways, we're much more in that social conservative bucket than we are in the sort of traditional economic conservative bucket. All right, let's take a call real quick. I believe we got Ryan on the line. Hey, Ryan, good morning. Hey, man, long time no here, man. I've been kind of busy, but I'm glad I caught the show today. Yeah, absolutely. How y'all doing? Good. I think uh, the only way Brandon can win, man, he just got a lot of black folks. If a lot of black folks say he's going to get rep- reparations, even though we know he's lying, if he said that, he'll win. He's just saying. But he's, uh, did, he, did he say he was for reparations? No, I don't think so. Okay. That's the only way he'll win. I okay. mean, that's, that, that's just it. Just a lot of black folks say, hey, we're going to get reparations. We're going we're gonna to even consider it. That's, that's the only way he's going to win, man. Other than that, man, he just might want to sit down. Or he talk about weed. But, you know, other than that, man, I, I think he's, he's – He's dead in the water. Ryan, I'll talk uh, about that with you if you want. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, man. Uh, but that's the only way I think he can win, man. Uh, I just can't see myself voting for for Tate, man. And uh, I, I'm a conservative, but I just, I, I, I just, I just can't pull the trigger, man. I, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the, you know, the right to vote, but you also have the right not to vote. And I think I'm just withholding my vote. I, um, let me ask you this real quick. You said you just can't you, you call yourself say you're a conservative and but you can't vote for Tate. What is the sticking point? Like what's the, what's the hot button issue for you on Tate? Well, um, you know, just to and again, this may go against some conservative values, but to expand Medicare. Uh, I, um, I, no, Medicaid. I'm sorry, I mess it uh, up all the time. It's okay. Yeah, it's that. That's the, that's the thing. Um, I, I I just I, I don't understand why he want. Yes, I want less government. I do, and I know that may be contradictory, but I, I I don't understand why he won't do it. And I think Mississippi is behind everybody. Well, we can't do something as simple as that. Um, we just I think we need some stronger regulations to make sure that it's not abused on uh, the system because it is it it is abused, but. I still think it needs to be expanded. And that's my one thing. And plus, I just don't like the way Tate looked, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Ryan, I got to take my break, brother. We'll unpack that on the other side of the break, man. Appreciate you. Have a good weekend. Right, Congratulations y'all. on your anniversary, too. Hey, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm. See you later. All right. Caller, stay on hold. We'll come back to you after this break. This is The Clay Edwards Show with Russ Latino and Sean york We'll be right back on 103.9 FM WYAB. 
All right, welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. We're going to go straight to the phone lines here. Hey, caller, you're on the air. Oh, wait. Hold on. I gotta, I'm going to have to kill one of these lines real quick. Sorry. Hey, you're on the air. Hello? You talking to me or Elrod? You, you. Elrod, call back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hey, um, this prompted a call with your previous guy saying he was a conservative. I always laugh about that because you'll have people call in or say, I'm a conservative, but when you ask them about their beliefs, it's always, well, I believe in, you know, it's all liberalism. So, Sean, you know, I guess you're a conservative <laughs> if it go by what they say. <clears throat> you know, well, everybody you know, says that now, so I guess. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, basically. I've hey, not said that. Weed, but weed. Everybody hey, said that. we got weed. Weed. Um, everybody loves weed, man. Come on. I mean, let's be honest well, here. Not, I don't know. I've never tried it. <laughs> um, but anyway, hey, everybody likes cocaine, too, don't they? I, I, don't, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Portland, Seattle like it. Uh, quickly, Medicaid expansion. The reason anybody should be against it is because you're on the hook. We ain't got the money once they pour the federal funding on it. It all sounds good, but it's like, hey, man, you get to, you pay 75% for their steak meal. Just sign right here, and you got to come every Friday night, and we're going to pay for the first, first six Friday nights. And after that, you're on your own. They can raise the prices, whatever they need. And secondly, uh, Russ, you're, you're a political guru. The Kabuki Theater that we have in the United States Senate and Congress, you know, I'm looking at something I just sent to Clay. They're all having these Kabuki votes about stripping money for the Ukraine and stopping all these uh, illegals. They vote for it, and in the middle of the night, they voted 311 to 100 to restore funding for the Ukraine. So if you go to Super Talk Russ and you're on there and they keep talking about, oh, look what our, our, our congressman did. He voted against it. Well, Look about 10 hours later, he voted for it. And then the same thing on the border. Oh, we're getting tough on the border. 10 hours later, guess what? They're doing the same thing. So, so are you suggesting all, that there are show votes? To say, I voted <laughs> for it before I was against it or against it before I was for it. So, you know, Russ, when you're, you're talking to them, tell them there's a few people who read, but the majority of them are like the guy just wants weed, baby. Just want that weed. Give me some weed. Hi, right, yeah. Appreciate it, brother. Bring it on. Appreciate it, brother. Have a great weekend, Jerry. Let's take one more call before we uh, move on. Hey, sorry for hanging up on you there, brother. You're on there. What's up? Hey, you're on. You're live. Is that right? What's going on? Uh, you, you was asking uh, what reason I would have to vote against Tate Reed. I have one reason, to be honest with you. And I remember when he told me that I didn't deserve to be able to work and, and put food in my family's mouth. He shut me down. He shut everybody down. He didn't have that authority, but he did it anyway. And uh, I've never did it. Get him and regular citizens, my friends, against me, wanting to turn my wife in and destroy her career because of a, of some mandate that he had to push across. His, we almost lost everything, man, because I'm unessential. I, I'll never forget that. He'll never live that down. And then that's that's I got to put my two cents in on, on that. That that's the bottom line. Hey, that's why. But we it doesn't matter. The... You, you you vote doesn't matter anyway. So. Hey, that's why we opened the phone lines up, brother. That's why I started doing this because I mean I was essential, but so many of my friends, quote unquote, were unessential, and that's why I turned the camera on myself and started running my mouth so I could be the voice for you, for uh, for people. Hey, brother, I, I loved it, man. Thank you for doing it. Appreciate yep. it. Appreciate you, Elrod. Have a blessed weekend, man. Yeah, you too, bud. Mm, thanks. All right, Sam, this is, what, this is where the passion comes in. No, and I appreciate you know? the passion. I mean, look, 
the truth is that at the beginning of COVID, there was an artificial distinction created that should have never been created between this notion of essential versus non-essential workers. All workers are essential because work is essential to human well-being. Amen. Right? And, and we've got to restore in people the idea that work is not a hustle. Work is what gives us meaning in life. It's one of the things that gives us meaning in life, that allows us to be productive, that allows us to earn success, and ultimately allows us to feel good about ourselves knowing that we've done something to take care of ourselves and take care of our families. So I get the passion. I would say this, though, that if you look at Mississippi versus most states, we were probably one of the least restrictive states in the entire country. And I think the governor, to his credit, very early on realized this distinction that's been drawn between essential and non-essential workers is not one that we're going to persist with, right? You think about the very beginning of that pandemic, and right, wrong, or indifferent, what we were being told was that this was the functional equivalent of the Spanish flu. Bubonic plague. The bubonic plague, right? Millions of people are going to die. And so in those initial days, when people are the best minds that you've got access to are telling you this could be like significant in terms of deaths, we're in the millions of deaths, I, you've got to have some grace and understanding for, as a leader, the calculus, which is, do I do nothing based on the evidence that I'm being given with, and maybe the end result of that is that hundreds of thousands of my people die, or do I look at it and say, for a short period, we're going to be restrictive until we know enough information on whether or not we should. You could debate that, but I don't think it's unreasonable for somebody to have had the view, hey, in light of what I'm being told, let's be safe on the front end. Yeah, and and when we come back from the break, I want to take that very concept and I want to shift gears into people's distrust of the medical establishment and the media establishment and and how I think COVID and 2020 completely broke everybody. Let's take a let's take one more call before we go to the break here. The phones ain't rang all week, so when we finally get a few phone calls. I like to I like to answer that. People have gotten spoiled with the text line. So, <laughs> hey, you're on the air, brother. Yeah, see, I was just about to text, but uh, <laughs> but when your uh, guest said what he said, okay, so, and to the caller's point, and we've gone back and forth on, on this, Clay, it's, I know that people want to gripe on Tate, and I don't personally like Tate, I think he's kind of spineless, but it's just like, sure, he gave the edict or the mandate, but at what point do you, I mean, I guess those people trust the government, so they follow the, the letter of the law. But if it's your business and it's about to go under, like, you have to open that business and take what comes with it. Well, I know some that did, like uh, Melissa Kirksey out there at Bonnie Blair's at the time. She she did the fight, and I think it damn near cost her her liquor license and $10,000. And I, yeah, I mean, you know, and were, and they, like, they, I mean, and, and what do you that do? Sounds like a lawsuit. That sounds like a lawsuit to me. Yeah. I mean, but if you shut down and you follow the rule of the law, then I, I just don't see a legal way out of that. I know, but everybody ain't and got then, the money to fight a lawsuit. I understand that. And then to the to the guest's point, yeah, as, as a leader, what do you do? I, I just say you give your your citizens the best information that you have, and let them make the decisions whether they want to go outside or not and deal with this virus. You, I mean, it's, I mean, <laughs> accepting, um, oh, well, a little tyranny here is not bad, yeah. but 
like just give my people the freedom to say what decision do we need to make. Well, and that, they didn't do that soon enough for me. All right, brother, I got to take my break, man. Yeah. Thank you. I got. You. All right, bye. We'll be right back on the Clay Edwards Show. All right, welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. We're live here on 103.9 FM, WYAB. This segment is going to be brought to you by my friends over at Watchman Security Services. Guys, whether you need a home or a business security system, or you need a full-blown camera system, indoor, outdoor, remote gate access with cameras, or, or just a uh, doorbell with a camera on it, they can do it all at Watchman Security Services. The Knight family. Eric and Nathan, located right over there in Pearl, Mississippi. I mean, that, when I tell you guys they are one of us, they're one of us. They're members of the Mississippi Hot Rod Association. They're at all the car shows. they got their old school hot rods. I mean, they are us. And that's the kind of folks we like to break bread with around here. And, you know, not just because they're us, but they're probably the best in the, in the, uh, in the market, too, for what they do. So if you need any of these things, cameras, indoor, outdoor, alarm, they're on alarm.com. Um, certified uh install not installer uh certified service provider sorry service alarm.com service provider for over 15 years now they can get you taken care of go to watchman that's m-a-n watchmansecure.com watchmansecure.com been in the business since 1977 which is 46 years. Only know that because not because I'm good at math, but because I'm 46 years old. <laughs> so, anyway, check them out, man. Eric, Nathan, hope they have a great weekend. WatchmanSecure.com. All right, we are in the studio with Russ Latino, MagnoliaTribune.com, another fellow independent media personality, and as well as my good friend, Mr. Sean Yerkron. Uh, look, let's shift gears, and I'm going to use that COVID kind of the, the period at the end of that sentence. I appreciate all the callers. No more calls today. You're cutting them off. Cutting them off. Uh, great calls. <laughs> great calls, but it is the Clay Edwards show. <laughs> um, I want to talk some. The, uh, I think what I think, I know what, it, it broke Sean. I say broke, but it, it opened Sean's eyes. It opened a lot of people's eyes here on a local level. And it created what I believe was an absolute loss of confidence in the medical establishment as well as the media establishment was during COVID. And the first thing that comes to mind was, when the, we'll call it the right side, I'm being political here, the right side decided to have a right-to-work rally down at the Capitol. We were all called racist bigots. We wanted to kill Grandma. How dare we get out and be in a group? How dare we want to go back to work? How dare we gather in public? Any of these things. And we were just vilified. And then, boom, the George Floyd stuff happens, and the Black Lives Matter protests come through, and the very people there at UMC who are telling us, wear the damn mask and all this other stuff, they go out there in their white coats and they get on their knees and raise their fist up to BLM out there on the, on the grassy knoll in front of UMMC and tell us that uh, COVID knows the difference in social justice versus a bunch of bigots that want to go back to work. Yeah, I think that's what all that we you and I discussed a million times. What really bothered me is when they wrote the medical community. I don't know if Russ, you might remember this. They wrote a letter talking about how um, systemic racism was a public health issue, I think, at the time. And uh, they had attacked people for what Clay's talking about, like right-to-work rallies. Or, um, you know, I think there was a time there was a party at the Ozarks that was made national media. And then they had this letter where they or were local, Or local media snitching on people for going out to the reservoir. Right. And then, but, I mean, then these medical experts said that, you know, systemic racism is a public health issue. I'm, I'm not really debating that. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the, um, that that 
so they were in support of the protests. Well, to me, I mean, you know, a virus going to virus, right? I mean, it's going to, it's not picking political sides. It's not, you know, it's not protesting. It's just going to, and they told us to stay at home. And I'm a, and I've said this on the show many times. I'm a government guy. I was a Marine prosecutor for years. The government tells me to do something. I usually just do it because that's who I am. I just, you know, and, but when they did that, it kind of just caused me to be like, okay, wait a second here. Now, now we have a, a clear agenda that's out there that's going on and that it really really disturbed me that that one letter just kind of changed of course the way i looked at politics yeah and you know you had told me that and then it popped up in your facebook memories yeah. and, and you were like this this was the post i made the day that it yeah that, 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 that i woke up or well, whatever phrase you want to use well i just got upset about it because i mean you know you're dealing with people's lives here we're all we're all you know trying to protect lives at the end of the day that's what everybody wants to do is protect lives and and whatever is the most efficient way to do that and i was down with whatever they had said but when you're now picking positions based on political opinions, then that's that's where I kind of have a problem. Yeah, you know, my sense of it is this, is I don't have a problem deferring to scientists that have a lot of expertise that I don't have, particularly at the outset of something where nobody knows how bad is this going to get, how exactly is it spread, what exactly are the long-term consequences. Like, there's a part of me that wants to respect that there are people have, that have knowledge that I don't have. Sure. That's I think defer to professionals, right? I, I think I think where it rubbed me the wrong way is science in its very nature is supposed to be about doubt. The scientific process is a process of doubt, right? And and trying to prove theories around why things work the way the way they do and constantly questioning. And so I think if if the scientists who were kind of put in a position of leadership on this thing had come out and said, hey, look, there are things that we don't know because we're very early on in this process. But based on past history, we think these things will help to mitigate the problem, right? I would have respected that so much more than coming out and saying, you must do A, B, and C or you're going to kill people. Because they didn't know that. And by speaking so definitively and then getting proven wrong, Mm -hmm. they've undermined the credibility of an entire institution that does have unique value, right? That does have unique knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it was the the hubris and the certainty with which they spoke about things that they couldn't possibly know. Down to the vaccine, too. They did that with the vaccine. 100%. I am the science. So, But I I would say this going back to the caller about, about Reeves and the government shutdown, which was very short in Mississippi, is... If you think about it this way, okay, you disagree with his decision, but if someone else had been in that that office as a part of the party that still lionizes Anthony Fauci, how much longer do you think that shutdown would have been? And that's why I came out here on the air last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was, and I said, I, I just have to go back and assume that based on the National Democrat agenda and what other blue state governors did... I have to assume if it happens again that I would rather have Tate Reeves than a Democrat. Well, you think about Gavin Newsom in California, right? He shuts things down, hard shut down, and then he goes and has dinner at the French Laundry. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of like your your Brandon Presley jet flying thing, yeah. right? It's like, okay, I'm telling people that this is bad, but I, I personally am above my own judgment. Do as I say, not as I do. So, so I do wonder what Jim Hood, just having worked there for him, what – what his response to COVID would have been. I don't know. He's, he, he gets pretty angry. I, can, I don't know if he was going to pick a baseball bat and hit things or what would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, but, you know, I, this goes back to my old Tate Reeves thing that I've talked about earlier. Whether you like Tate or you don't like him or you think he's got an off-putting personality, 
I what I do like about him is that he is he he takes the reins of situations. He just does, and that's what we like these guys to do is to be leaders. And whether it's a you know water crisis or police situation. Whether you liked his response to COVID, Tate's in charge, and I do like that. I do. I think that's why we do elect people to actually not to – you know, one of the biggest – having worked for elected officials, one of the biggest problems working for them is that people don't make a decision. And I always say a no decision becomes a decision and one that you never would have chosen. But Tate seems like a very decisive guy, and I do respect that about him. And I think he did that whether you like it or not, what he did. Well, so. and look, I've been around politics for a long time. In politics, you got show horses and you got work horses. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the show horses are the people who are popular – the workhorses are obviously the people that get things done. Tate came into office and inherited a whole host of messes, right? Mm-hmm. We had a prison crisis going yep. on. We had the TANF stuff unfolding. He had natural disasters hit, you know, in the first few weeks of being in office. The Jackson it, Flood started. It, it, yeah. it just continued and continued and continued. Then COVID, right? Then he's had tornadoes and all the stuff that has unfolded. And I think in those crisis moments is where you see his actual leadership. Because, Jackson, you brought this up earlier with the water situation had gotten to the point where they weren't delivering volumes of water anymore. Mm-hmm. He stepped in, took over things for a couple of weeks, and got water running, right? Yeah. You know, my buddy Fred Shanks calls it his Haley Barber Katrina moment. The, uh, the what he stepped in and did with the Jackson water crisis. Yeah, it was uh, a good, that, to, to, and, and, and it, it was a big moment for me as a conservative to get me back in the to get me back in the camp, or at least me. It changed my perception of Tate's. Uh, term. Same, His entire same. first term. I know it changed you, my entire perception. Same, same. I never would have voted. I used to make fun of him in 2019, and that whole incident just changed the way. Well, actually, COVID, I know it didn't for you, but COVID kind of did, too, things that he did that I did respect at that time. But that just kind of put me over the top. I'm like, man, this guy's really, forget about what party you're a part of. I yeah. mean, he's bringing water to people that cannot drink water. I mean, that's kind of the crux of being a you know a leader. I, I, he didn't cower down to mm-hmm. the free the land folks and their constant screams of racism. Yeah. He stood up and took it all, and it, it changed my opinion on it. Well, and at some level, it's like, do, do you want the governor that you want to have a beer with, which is cool. You know, I like having a good beer and good conversation with folks. Or do you want the governor who's competent and can get things done? And it goes back to that question of competency. Yeah. Forget R versus D. Is this person competent to run the office? And I think what a lot of people don't know, stuff that's not sexy – that has been cleaned up under his administration, um, that shows core competencies. Absolutely. Let's take a break, come back, land the plane for the day. I do want to try to hit a little stuff on media, but I don't know if we're going to have time. This is the Clay Edwards Show, Russ Latino with Magnolia Tribune, magnoliatribune.com, and Sean York Run. We'll be right back on 103.9 FM WYAB. Welcome back in to the Clay Edwards Show. Hey, real quick before we wrap up the show, guys, get out to Guns and Gear this weekend for all of your gun buying and ammo buying needs. Of course, they are the home of Coating, gunsmithing, and no-limit ammo purchases. So go get all your wallet or heart can desire right there on 51 North in Gluckstadt. Also, you can shop them online, gunsandgearms.com. And look, man, I do appreciate all the Guns and Gear text. We just got to rolling and didn't get a chance to read many of them, but uh, I will reply to y'all all individually some, at some point in time throughout the day. Russ, man, we got to do this again. It was uh, fun. I, I, yeah. I, I did three hours with the show prep, and I think out of my ten topics, we've done two. Which is what Clay and I were talking about <laughs> last night. We'll talk about two things. We should have got here the six o'clock hour, I guess. Hey, r- r- real quick, man. Um, media, I wanted to say this uh, talking about all the COVID stuff. You mentioned science should always be doubted. Where I was disappointed in our quote unquote mainstream media locally, nationally, et cetera, is they they didn't question any of this stuff. It was just 
lock me down harder, Daddy. I mean, that, 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 it seemed like as, as angry as I was with Tate for the lockdowns, they were equally as angry for it not being more. And, and, and it was like, well, hold on. Can we not look at stuff? Can we not investigate? Can we not do, I don't know, what you guys claim that you do? You know, at these press conferences, they never asked him questions about when are we going to unwind some of, these, some of these mandates. It was, why aren't we doing more? Why isn't there a statewide mass mandate? Why, why isn't everybody an unessential employee? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's where I, I lost it for him. Yeah, I mean, in my sense, you know, a lot of people think the media is biased, right? Poll after poll shows that people think the media has lost the, the public's trust. It, it's as low as it's been in like 40 years right now. And a lot of people think it's biased towards liberal points of view. Uh, even Democrats, by the way, say that they think the media favors them, uh, which is probably a good indicator of, of the direction. Yeah. But even more than that, what I've noticed since since I've gotten into this is a general lack of curiosity, right? It's just sort of like, well, so-and-so said this, and because they're in a position of authority, we should assume it's true. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give that person respect because they're in a position of authority, but I don't think it's our job to assume that what they're saying is true. Question everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we're, we're missing out on, set aside the ideology and the political party mass, we're missing out on genuine curiosity that forces people to doubt themselves, to consider whether or not what they believe is true. I'm going I'm to stop you there. MagnoliaTribune.com. Yes, sir. Russ Latino, Sean Yerkeron, thank you. Podcast will be available here by 10 a.m. Jim Thorne is up next, followed by Jameson Haygood and Ken Wade will close us out 4 to 6 p.m. Again, thank you, Russ Latino and Sean Yerkeron. See y'all. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week as the Clay Edwards Show discusses all that is going on in and around the city of Jackson. This concludes our broadcast day. Right here on 103.9 WYAB.